Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. It's the sound you've waited months to hear. It's caused some of your greatest triumphs. Biggest heartbreaks. History made by Appalachian State. They win an unprecedented third straight national championship. It's the option at Georgia Tech. It's Howard's Rock. The smoke in Miami. And every Saturday, you tap that sign. And Appalachian State has done it again. The wait is over. College football is here. Let me just say, man, if I was Brad Nessler recording that, I probably would have had to stop several times just to uh, get get myself together, man. The tears would have been flowing. The passion would have been at an all-time high reading an intro like that. I would venture to say that that is the greatest sports video game entrance of all time. Intro. I mean, I can't think of a better intro. Honestly, it's probably because I don't remember a lot of the intros. <laughs> you were a start guy. You would just hit start and then go right to Home screen. Gotcha. Yeah. I think I, I watched that one pretty much every time it came on, if I'm not mistaken. Fiddy is very offended that I said I wasn't a big intro guy. No, but uh, NBA 2K12, I remember being, that was with, I think, Jordan on the cover of the first, like... That was probably public service announcement as the song in the background. I'm pretty, yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was it. That one's up there, and, oh, there was an old show uh, intro that was really good, but I don't remember what year. Maybe like 07, I think it was with Manny Ramirez on the cover. I thought you were talking about normal show, not MLB the show. And I was like, why in the world is that relevant? There was also a really good show intro, but I don't know what year. It was the most vague thing of all time. (laughs) But yes, MLB the show, they've had some decent ones. I watched it the first time, and then I don't watch it again. That's how I roll. All right. Well, Team Week continues talking about Appalachian State. We are on the offensive side of the ball when we're talking about the Mountaineers right now. And last season, they ranked second in the Sun Belt in scoring offense at 34.9 points per game. They were second in the Sun Belt in yards per game at 455.3. They were also second in sacks against and third in offensive efficiency. So Chase Bryce and the crew, uh, they were definitely getting it done. But those guys are gone now. It is time to turn the page but this offense again top 20 nationally and passing touchdowns turnovers loss passing efficiency so this was this group has some big shoes to fill and they have one of the most highly regarded running back rooms that you will find now Cameron Peoples is gone and Datrix Harrington is gone but they've got Nate Noel who was a 1000 yard rusher in 2021 they got Anderson Castle. They've got Armani Marshall, who was a Wake Forest transfer. And check this out. Kanye Roberts. Now, we know where his name was inspired from. There's no denying it there. He was a true freshman last year. He led the nation in rushing. No, distri- no, I don't like to do disclaimers. How he ended up at App is beyond me, okay? Because this guy, in his senior season, had 3,511 rushing yards. And 64 touchdowns, 58 of which were rushing. He averaged 219 yards per game and 12 
yards per carry. He was the nation's leading prep rusher in 2021. So I'm sure app fans are definitely waiting on Kanye Roberts to start to give them what he gave people in high school. And from 2012 to 2021, App State had 10 consecutive 1,000-yard running backs. So if you're a running back, this is the place to go. As I talked about, some of the key guys coming back, Nate Noel, this guy ran for over 1,000 yards in 2021, 11:26 to be exact, and he had 31 runs of 10-plus yards. So he's going to be back, and he's going to be hungry because Cameron Peoples came in there last year, and he was tote the mail. So Nate Noel will definitely want to start back, starting job back. Christian Horn and Deshaun Davis return at wide receiver combined. They had over 1,000 yards. So, Walker, what do you see when you look at this App State offense, especially when you're talking about if the quarterback position is up in the air right now? Looks like it's going to be between Ryan Berger and Joey Aguilar. So, yeah, you look at their passing yard rank in all of college football last year. They were 48th in passing yards. They were 21st in rushing yards. So, clearly, they were leaning on the run game. But they had a good offense overall, ranking 24th in college football, scoring about 35 points per game. It was the defense that took a little bit of a step back compared to where that defense has been in years past. So if you still lean on the running game, you know that you can be very effective doing that with some of the running back skill that you still have on this roster. But the QB battle, it's real right now. You don't have Chase Bryce. I was interested in what Bryce was going to do after transferring from Clemson to Duke and then Duke to App State, but pretty good year for Chase Bryce offensively. Now you're talking about somebody like Berger who comes in, Ryan Berger, quarterback, redshirt freshman, a lot of people really like his passing skills. 6'3", 190 pounds, so not a monster, but pretty big guy, at least with his height. He has unteachable accuracy, according to College Football News, and he can hit the deep ball. So what you wonder if the wide receiver room can hold up, if this is going to be a quarterback that can maybe challenge downfield a lot like Chase Bryce was able to do at some times just last season, especially in that first game against North Carolina where they put 60 up. And it was a lot on the running game, but we were able to see Bryce also have an effective contest. So we'll see what happens here. You do have Joey Aguilar as well. Bigger dude, not as accurate. So what wins out? Is it going to be maybe a little bit more of an athlete that you have in Aguilar, who's a bigger, can take more of a pounding when he's in the pocket? Or are you talking about Berger, who is a little more accurate? That's what I'm interested in seeing. Berger is the favorite, in my opinion. I don't know if you see it that way, Wes. It does seem it seems like he has the, the lead, but by no means is it a foregone conclusion. Yeah, and for everything that's documented, it looks like that Berger is going to be the guy. And so there's been uh, a little bit, we talked about how we feel like they could do just a touch in the Sun Belt, but Let's check out Phil Steele's cut because he has high hopes for App State in 2023. Or does he? They've got seven starters back on offense. You know, they have to replace their quarterback, but I think they'll do okay there. You're going to see more quarterback runs this year than you did last year. It's going to get back to App State football where they run the quarterback. And defensively, they look pretty good. And when I look at their schedule this year, I only have an underdog against North Carolina, a slight underdog at Wyoming, and a slight underdog against James Madison. I've got them winning the SBCs, getting back to the Sun Belt title game. And I think App State fans are going to be a lot happier this year. 
Yeah, so he definitely thinks this is a team uh, that can get the job done and replace Berger. As you said, looks like he has a lot of potential. And running the football is the name of the game uh, for this crew. And I think when you're physical and play good defense, you'll always give yourself a chance. I said before they had 10 consecutive 1,000 yards running backs uh, back there. And so this offense, too, is crazy because when you look at their record last season, when they scored 20 to 29 points, they were 1-4. and four. But when they scored 30-plus points, they were 4-1. and one. So uh, you would think 20 to 29 points, especially when you get up in that higher end, 28-29, could be enough uh, to get you some wins. But they didn't do very well when that happened. But 30-plus points, they were almost uh, unbeatable. So I think this is a, a physical group, and they're going to bounce back, as Phil still said, was trying to run the football because that is the thing that App does. Just about better than a lot of teams in the Sun Belt. Yeah, and so if you can get him settled into the lineup, it'll be fantastic. You do wonder just how explosive this offense can be. They have a new play caller as well. They have Frank Ponce as the new play caller with App State. You did mention Nate Noel. You have to imagine they're going to lean on him quite a bit. And so you wonder how different this offense is going to look. But then you talk about what you had with Phil Steele saying it's going to get back to App State football, that it's going to actually go back to something that the Mountaineers and their fan base are a little more familiar with, which might be exactly what the doctor ordered for a six and six football team that isn't used to finishing anything around 500. It's usually eight wins at the worst, usually nine and you're flirting with 10 in conference championships, which is certainly something that eluded them last year. So I wonder if that familiarity, the new play caller is just what they ordered along with Ryan Berger, who does have potential to be a lot of fun at that QB spot, even if it isn't a foregone conclusion, as I mentioned, that he is going to be the starter. And I think the thing, too, that will help him a lot, especially when you have a new quarterback, is that running game. We know the app, as I said, the, the physicality, there's no question there. And I think that will help ease him into the offense, especially having a plethora of backs to hand the football to, and that also helps as most people know, when you have a lot of guys, you can wear down those defenses and uh, win some of those games down the stretch. So I think App is in good standing as far as offense goes. I can't wait to see uh, what Nate Noel does, though, with him coming back. He's a Florida kid, so you know he's going to bring the excitement, the speed. And so I, I, I'm excited to see what he's got. And as I said, experienced receivers out there. Horn had 33 catches for 600 yards and four touchdowns. Deshaun Davis had 37 catches for 441 yards and three touchdowns. So we didn't touch on it a lot, but as far as a wide receiver, you're not going to yeah. put up big numbers, but as long as you're there to make the plays when need be, that's going to be big uh, also for a new starter at quarterback. So before we move on, we can even just set the foundation for tomorrow's defensive segment. Wes, that's going to be the thing that needs to improve. I think, yes. I think both you and I feel pretty good about App State's offense picking up where it left off with some of those big high-scoring games where they ranked, you know, top 50 was the worst, right? And that was their passing yard total every single contest. We do expect them to have a good wide receiver room. We expect the quarterback transition to happen pretty smoothly. They do have talent there. And also the rushing tack is going to be explosive. We know that's going to happen. It's all about the defense. Can their defense come back? And we'll talk about that a lot more in detail tomorrow. Yep, so team, we will continue. App State, we're going to continue to get into the nitty-gritty and get you guys ready for their season this year. Can they be Sunbelt champs? We shall see. But when we come back on the Wes and Walker show, we're going to talk about winners and losers from the Charlotte Hornets from 
the summer league? Who did the best? Who's got the best reputation? Who are you excited about coming into next season? That and more on the Weston Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Weston Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Sometimes Fitty just says funny sentences. Before we hopped on the mic, he said, man, I need to get some pants. (laughs) And it made me laugh because we still need to go shopping to help Fitty out, get something else besides just a polo for his uh, formal attire. And when he can't wear shorts, he gets angry. And so now we need to get him a good pair of pants. Um, is this something that you're going to do with one Wes Bryant who has offered? He has offered to help you shop. It's just all really in the balls are in your court, Fiddy. I mean, you get to decide here. And Wes said he'd pull up and help you whenever you need it. Well, it was supposed to be a show trifecta thing. So are, is this your way of saying you're not coming no matter what day we're, we're going to be out? No, it's not my way of saying that. Okay. I, I could I could help out in, in some way, well, somehow. Like the thing is is I'm pretty I'm pretty busy the rest of this week. Like tomorrow I've gotta go birthday gift shopping. Thursday after the show, driving up to the <laughs> mountains to see my sister for her birthday. Okay. Coming back Friday. So like Friday and Saturday are the two best days for me this week and I don't know if you know, I don't want to take away from y'all's weekend and uh so I may just have to go alone. Right. I mean, Excuses like I said, you that. make time for what you want to make time for. <laughs> I mean, I mean, are you willing to go out every weekend? I just told the man. I said, you hit did. me up. You I'll just be, said that. We all you know, heard it. Ready whenever you want to go. Yeah. We can, I'll meet you. I know, but I mean, you're going to see Barbie on Saturday. Like, you know, you got a whole, you got a whole big day ready to go. Like, yeah. I don't want to intervene with your plans. I mean, Barbie is uh, about two hours. After that, uh, it's my girl its own has world. to work that evening and that night, so I'll just be chilling by myself, and uh, I could come and meet you. As I've said, uh, was this the fourth, fifth time now? Yeah. Okay. So, Fourth, fifth time, he told you that he wasn't going to come up with any excuses. He was ready to help you pants shop. What yeah. I'm hearing is maybe we a little Saturday night, the boys get together. Because, you know, I wasn't invited to the surprise birthday party. Mm-hmm. We go get a dinner. Maybe it's, it's not. Hold on. Hold on one second. It's not even true. Wes did invite you out yeah. and you didn't respond at all. But I wasn't invited in the surprise thing. But so <laughs> you can hear you him were, about the laugh in, in his comment. <laughs> you were invited out. And you didn't go. You didn't even respond. I was asleep. No, no, you weren't. I mean, yeah, not when I, I hit you up. It was afternoon when I sent yeah. the text. <laughs> if you were asleep, then that's just lazy on you, yeah. or you were taking a nap or something. And then you woke up, and you still didn't respond. So, you know, I'm here, and maybe Saturday we go we go get a nice, you know, dinner. Maybe, like, you know, TGI Fridays, maybe. You're trying to take us on a date. And then we go shopping, and, you know, have some good guy bonding time. Right. I mean, I'm down, Fiddy. I'll meet you out. Okay. 
Well, we'll go to TGI Fridays and Pants Shop. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about TGI Fridays. We might need to discuss the venue for eating dinner. But uh, That is a hell of a weekend. That is a night. What'd you guys do? Uh, actually, I uh, had a pretty nice little Saturday. Uh, we went pants shopping. You know, we were going to go to Fridays, but I didn't know. I didn't know if we were going to have enough time. Yeah. For all you old school fans out there. You know, look, if TGI Fridays doesn't work for you, maybe we could go to TGI Saturdays because that's where they were going to eat. <laughs> They've gotten worse recently. <laughs> they really have. I actually liked your Barbie world joke. That was okay. But the other ones, you've just put a word into. I, it, you heard, we talked about the movie Air the other day, and then you said, yeah, I heard they really aired it out. What What is that even reference? Right. I, I don't know. <laughs> Part of me likes it. Part of me loves it. Part of me hates it. I don't know what to do when you have some of those jokes. Um, but it's an experience nonetheless. 704-570-9610. Feel free to share your thoughts and comments. Let's go to winners and losers. Let's give you good old summertime content on sports radio. And yeah, you know it's real summertime when we're talking summer league. Charlotte Hornets summer league session. Fiddy, did you want to lead us off with any winners and losers? Or are we all losers for watching? I mean, can, can, I, can I just be allowed to rant just a minute? Because don't they get like rings for winning this this damn thing? I think I saw something about the Cavs getting a ring. I don't know if that was trolling or not, but I'll put the research. No, on I it. think I think you're right, and I had forgotten about that. But I remember everybody making a big stink about it when they reported this was possible, and so maybe you're right. Wes is going to look it up. Like like what? I love I just, it. I just want to know like why? Like this is glorified pickup basketball. At least they're like in nice gyms and they got decent looking uniforms. Yep, they do. They get them. Oh, that's a, honestly, I think it's hilarious. It, it, it's amazing. It's, I mean, it just goes to show you these leagues have too much money. <laughs> like you're getting a ring for winning what seven games? You play what seven, eight games, maybe at the most. Well, the Hornets played actually more because they were in the California. They're nice Classic. too, man. Yeah. Like the I rings just, are nice. I love. I love that the summer league rings are nice. I just I don't understand. Like, like yeah, they so, really are. Oh, those. I love, I legitimately think those are very cool. I really do. I mean, like, here's the problem. Because, like, you're a Hornet fan and you've never seen them win anything. Like, if, Summer if, League <laughs> is also bad. No, th- th- you're right about this. I am totally in agreement with you. Even in Summer League, I can't find any salvation. I mean, at this point, can we just start giving out pre- uh, trophies for going 4-0 in the NFL preseason? Like, let's just, let's just spice it up. I, I mean, think we have at least in baseball, in you feel like 30 spring training games. Get a reward for winning that. That that's seven summer league basketball games without a true point guard on the floor. All right, so the people that earn the rings, they're the real winners. But what about for the Charlotte Hornets? Because they only won one game this entire session, Wes. They beat Minnesota, and it was a beatdown. At least they got a good victory at the very end of their session, but it was the only one. And we've become all too accustomed to this as Hornets fans watching them lose quite a bit in Summer League. Give me your first winner after what you saw in their seven games. Well, I'm going to go with the uh, second pick of the draft, Brandon Miller. Now, while the percentages won't bowl you over, only 35% from the field, 26% from three. But I, think I heard 26% saw- from three was bad during the pre-draft process, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> what I was told. Well, this is in the preseason and I'm comparing him to his okay. idol, his goat Paul George, Got it. who was uh, who shot very poorly from 3 in the summer league as well, especially when you don't have one LaMelo Ball to set you up with good looks and things of that nature, but I felt like we saw uh, enough from him to put us a little bit more at ease as far as what he can do projecting him to what he can do when that full lineup is out there. You like the 8 rebounds per game for a guy that's perceived as being too skinny, not strong enough quite yet. 
especially six boards a game on the defensive side. So I think you saw some positives there. I think the passing, 2.3 assists per game, but I think some of the looks and some of the playmaker-ish type of uh, IQ that you saw from him, I think that was good as well because I think he'll be a plus on the floor as far as finding teammates, getting them involved, averaging a block per game as well. You saw some uh, defensive flashes averaging a block and a steal per game. He cut down on the fouls, even though he had some high foul games, but ended up averaging 4.7 for the summer league. So I think for Brandon Miller, I think he did enough for now to ease some of the concerns that a lot of people had. I think people saw a little bit of enough to say, all right, let's give this guy a chance. I think he was one of the better players for sure. And I think he probably was a little more neutral than he was amazing in this summer league because he had some bad performances, but he did leave us with a fantastic game. By far the best one was his most recent outing. And then the Hornets decided, you know what? Enough is enough. Shut him down. We're going to shut him down after what was (laughs) a very good game from him. I have Mitch Kupchak. Believe it or not, there's not too many winners that you're describing Mitch Kupchak being a part of. But if you weren't here, I am talking about Brandon Miller being among the better players for the summer league team. You could argue he was the best and I wouldn't argue too much with you. But the top four were all his draft picks from this draft class. The top four players for the Hornet Summer League. It was Brandon Miller in no order. Brandon Miller, Nick Smith Jr., James Najee and Abari Bailey, who was just rewarded with a two way contract. How about that? That's When you have that many draft picks and all four of them give you a positive summer league session more so than a negative, then that's a really good feeling. You know how much I think of Najee's defense. I think he's phenomenal on that end of the floor. I've talked enough about him. Nick Smith Jr. gave us an all-time ISO game when he was giving you moves on top of sauce, on top of other moves, and his 33-point outing, he was sensational in that one game. And also, I think, showed you some other, outside of the first contest where he made too many mistakes. I liked what Nick Smith Jr. gave you. Amari Bailey defensively really helped you out. 17 points for Amari in his last outing. Two of four from the three-point line, so actually showed you some shooting chops. And you already talked a little bit about what Brandon Miller accomplished. So how about Mitch Kupchak being a winner, his last draft class, the top four players in this summer league session, all four of the guys that were just drafted. So I thought he was a winner. Yeah, I like Amari Bailey a lot. I said that in the draft process once he was selected. Man, yeah. this is a kid with real pedigree. You look at his 247 uh, profile when he came out, had a 99-grade five-star rating. He was the number 10 player in the country. And so I think he goes to UCLA, and he had a pretty solid career there and really got uh, hot in the tournament. And I think this is a kid, man, that just needs a little bit of time, a little bit of seasoning, and I think he's going to be on an NBA roster and be a contributor. I'm not saying the guy's going to be a superstar, but I think this is a guy that's going to contribute in the NBA. Uh, again, from him, you saw basketball IQ. You saw some of the pedigree that I just uh, spoke about. He shot 37% from three, even though you know it wasn't a high volume that you got there. But I just think from him – he showed uh, that he was a bit under control uh, in a lot of instances, and, and he just looked like a guy that knows how to play the game. And I just think that once he gets more seasoning at the NBA level, that he's going to turn into a guy that could eventually be up on this roster contributing. I thought he got out in the passing lanes a lot defensively. That yes. was fun. You got to see his athleticism on display in a couple of transition dunks, so that was really cool. Yeah, I think all four guys, I think all four of them, more so positive. Miller just with the expectations, maybe a little bit closer to neutral 
neutral, but that last outing, I think, really helped him out. Let's go with the first loser here, Wes. Let's go to a loser and then maybe go back on the positive. Who's your first loser? Well, I'll throw you an alley-oop because I know probably the direction that you will go in, so I'm going to go in the other direction. Uh, I, I'm going to go with Kai Jones only because from him, you're talking about a third-year guy in the summer league, only averaging eight points per game. Wanted to see a little bit more uh, rebounding. Seven is respectable, but I just think from a guy from this type of athleticism, the things that he teases you with as far as showing you what he can do, I just expected a little bit more and definitely would want him to be among the leading scorers on this team, being an elder statesman for summer league, uh, you know, as far as from a summer league perspective. So I think, Kai, he, he did give you some flashes at times, but not uh, quite enough. You like the 1.3 blocks. You do like the almost two steals per game, but you want to see more damage done uh, on the boards, and I'd love to have seen that points per game up at least over 12 to 13. Uh, you don't want to see a guy with this type of talent, this type of potential, yeah. only averaging eight points per game in the summer league when this guy gets out there and plays against NBA starters. Well, I'll include the layup you give me, but also finish it instead of a layup. I'll go ahead and slam it on home. All right. Mitch Kupchak, he's another loser. <laughs> because if you go to the draft class, <clears throat> excuse me, that included James Booknight and Kai Jones, mm. kind of failed. And so you see them in their third summer, uh, their third, I thirst. I'm sorry, I can't talk right now. Thirst. You go to their third summer league session, wasn't very good for James Booknight and wasn't very good for Kai Jones. Booknight, if we want to separate him for a second, this was a real takeover opportunity for him. And Steve Clifford had talked about it during exit interviews, how important these summers and off seasons were for guys that were hoping to make a big impact. James Booknight, his last game was his best for sure, especially in the third and fourth quarter, but too little too late. James Booknight had a real chance at the beginning to make an impact, and he was getting uh, he was getting you know bench time when real crunch time was actually happening in some of these winning opportunities for the Charlotte Hornets. So that's unfortunate. And Kai Jones, you know, a little up and down, gave you a, a couple of good performances, but James Nashi's presence is what puts the pressure on Kai Jones. So now here you are. Yes fighting for third-string center opportunities. Najee probably going to go back to Barcelona, but we don't know for sure. So if James Najee actually does come over and plays with the Charlotte Hornets and the Greensboro Swarm, I think James Najee helps you right now on a court more than Kai Jones does. And I hate it because this was always a feasible timeline for Kai Jones being the project third year. It's not crazy that he still hadn't figured it out. You'd like to see him be a little further along than he is, and that just hasn't happened. Najee defensively, when we call him a raw prospect, that's only offensively. Defensively, I think IQ, all the ability, I've talked about it a million times. Yeah. I think he's really helped you in that regard. Another loser real quickly, coaching staff. Not a great showing for Marlon Gardner. Yeah, man. I don't know if I want to give you guys the key. Look, and Marlon Garnett, by the way, is kind of known as LaMelo's guy. Works with him yeah, quite a bit. So yes. he's going to be with LaMelo. I, you're not getting rid of him, but what a good showing for him. And in the last few years, it's not been a great summer league showing for any of the coaches, but especially especially Marlon Garnett with what we saw these seven games. Yeah, and so I was going to go back, too, to your James Najee point. Played nine less minutes than Kai Jones and averaged the same amount of rebounds, 6.8 
to 6.7 and then the 2.2 blocks per game, man. So that's a guy that you definitely have to put some thought into, man, to maybe ask him to stay and not go back over to Barcelona. Had a better block rate, Fiddy. I know you love block rates. <laughs> Had a better block rate what than What about Chet total Holmgren. points added? I don't know about his TPA. I don't think NBA <laughs> math. And honestly, they shouldn't. I don't but think yeah. they take care of Summer League. But James Najee had a better block rate than Chet Holmgren. So, yeah, this coaching staff, though, you don't like what you saw. The the losing uh, just mentality continued. It didn't look like adjustments were made. It didn't look like uh, things were done to kind of service some of the rookies a little bit better, especially when you talk about a Brandon Miller. I mean, where were some of the, and I'm not saying they weren't running any plays, but where was some offense consistently that looked like they had uh, some type of the game plan, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term. I mean, you get Nick Smith out there, he's dribbling the hell out of the ball before he uh, ends up taking a shot, and some of it was entertaining, yes, but just uh, did you have an objective every time down the court and doing things to make the game easier on your rookies? Didn't see a ton of that, and like I said, just taking L's, and not just taking L's. You guys were getting blazed every single night for the most part. I mean, the games were not even close. And that's the thing that's the most disheartening is that in a lot of these games, you weren't even competing. Um, Last winner for me, benefit of the doubt for the same reasons you just talked about. If anybody struggled, then you could just point to a lack of point guard again. (laughs) It's like, well, they didn't have a point guard to help set them up. And this is exactly what we talked about with Mark Williams. I, I, I do think that their ball movement was better this session than it was last year. They... I mean, Jalen Crutcher, I think Tyshawn Alexander, you know, those guys last season weren't amazing. I think Justin Robinson is better than them, but even Justin Robinson wasn't getting a ton of minutes. So then you had to rely on Nick Smith Jr. as your point guard and Brandon Miller, who was your best passer. So, yeah, you get benefit of the doubt if those are the guys that are your best passers and ball movers. And again, if you don't perform well, a lot of people just point to and understandably the lack of a point guard because you need somebody to organize some things out there. That's the winners and losers. You can tell us if we're wrong or right on the text line. 704-570-9610. Let's go to the second Fitty Flash of the day. What you got, Fitty? It's all right to be a little Fitty. A little hometown or a big old city. Might as well share. Might as well smile. Life goes on for a little Fitty. Why? One of the things I love about Wimbledon coming to an end is that it leads me right into another major across the pond that I get really invested in, that being the Open Championship and pairings for the 151st Open at Royal Liverpool Liverpool have been released. And Roy McIlroy will play with Masters champion John Rahm and former world number one Justin Rose. And McIlroy has history here having won... Uh, the last time that the Open was at Royal Liverpool all the way back in 2014. Are you guys getting up at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning to watch some golf? I think you already know the answer from this end. There's no chance, no. Uh, as much as I am going to be invested in the Open Championship, mm. I'm going to catch the back nine of some of the of what these guys are able to do. Not the front nine if they start at 4 or 5 in the morning, but I'll catch the back nine. But I am going to be excited. I will be interested to see what happens because I do get up for the majors, but I'm not going to get up literally at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, the only one I ever literally I wake up for to watch the coverage is when they're at St. Andrews. What about Australian Open? 
when when I first got into tennis, and because Djokovic, that was the first title he won, mm-hmm. I would get up at – now, they used to air it at 3.30 in the morning. I don't know what time it airs now. I would get up at 3.30 to watch him play. Yeah. I mean, I remember me and my buddies, when we got excited for baseball season rolling around, we would stay up. Remember how they would play across – they would play overseas. Man, mm-hmm. that was they're, like They're doing it next year. They're going to be in uh, – it's going to be the Dodgers and the Padres, and they're going to be – Somewhere in Korea, I think. I may be wrong on that, but they're going to be somewhere. It was weird because it wasn't the official opening day, but it did Mm. count towards the regular season. I didn't love that, but I did like, uh, you know, getting up and watching them play overseas. All right, speaking of baseball, we'll take a visit to the mound on the other side of the break. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. We're talking about irrational childhood fears or just things that were not very smart, but it was okay because we were kids. And Fiddy said when he would watch movies and one actor that played a certain character died in one movie, he would be surprised to see that same actor in a different movie playing a different role because he thought that actor had already died and he wouldn't come back. And so I led that led me to uh, an irrational childhood fear of saying, the Gushers campaign, when they would have the commercials out there, campaign, I'm acting like they're trying to, you know, <laughs> serve propaganda or whatever. But Gushers, when they would give you the commercials where you would eat a Gusher and then your head would turn into a fruit, I was scared <laughs> as hell of eating a Gusher, so I wouldn't eat one for quite a while. And then I realized, okay, wait, it's just a joke. And then I would eat one and God, Gushers are so good. It's been a while since I've had them. Dude, I had I had a pack on Sunday. I forgot just how good of a snack they really are. Better than who fruit. had gushers that you had access to? I went and saw my cousin. Okay, they just adopted a baby, so we went and saw the baby, and gotcha. you know they had a bunch of kid snacks, and I had that and and a fruit roll up. Gushers better than fruit roll ups. Eating right? all the baby snacks. Better than fruit roll ups is what I'm going to say about gushers. I think so. I didn't eat either. So okay, the hell did you eat growing up? I mean, I didn't eat, uh, I didn't like, um, you know, like gummies and stuff like that? that. Yeah, no, I didn't eat any of that stuff. Oh, man, it's so I good. I mean, I had little Debbie's, Fig Scientific. Bars, Fig Newtons, stuff like that, man. I didn't like uh, candy of that nature. All right, well, that didn't go anywhere then, did it? <laughs> <laughs> let's just go to visit to the mound. Well, Fiddy did. All right, visit to the mound. Let's, let's go out on the bump here, Fiddy. Come on! <laughs> we'll take you on right here, right now! Come on! Hurry up, Daddy. It's 
start this visit to the mound, we're going to talk about the AL East a little bit here. Um, over the weekend, all five teams, they reached 50 wins before having played 95 games. And that has never happened in a in a single division in the history of Major League Baseball. And I think it just goes to show you, like, you know, you see this like in every sport where you have like one dominant division or really one tough division. Remember the Rays, they started out, I think they were 13 and 0. Maybe they maybe they were 14 and 0. They're 50 and 37. They they played 500 baseball since the start, since their historic start to the year and in large part was because of how tough this division is. Baltimore's on their heels. Toronto has been really, really good. And a lot of people in baseball have, have complained about the Red Sox not being a great team, not being an elite team, but they've been a competitive team. And I think you look at the you look at the standings and that shows you that that is as tough and competitive a division in baseball we've had in the last five, ten years. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, you see the Yankees, they are last in the AL East at five 50 games and 45. Over 500. They're five games above 500. That would be first in the AL Central, where the Minnesota Twins are currently leading that division at just one game above 500, 48 and 47. That division is an absolute monster. Yeah, the race 60 and 37 after yeah, what you said, the 15 and 0 start, whatever they had, it's ridiculous. But Baltimore and Toronto, being as good as they are, have made that advantage uh, mitigated as much as possible. Yeah, and what's going on with the Rays? Three and seven, are they hit, starting to hit a little bit of a lull because I see them starting to regress uh, more so after that great start to be 60 and 37. I mean, a lot of it, their pitching's been heard up and down. And then, like, when you come out, remember when we first started talking, like when, like, when we adopted them as the show baseball team, they were scoring six, seven, eight runs a night if it felt like every night on the diamond. It's a really hard thing to do. That offense has slowed down. Walker, you talked about the Yankees, who are in last place at 15-45. This is as late they've been in last place since 1990. Wow. And they're not completely out of it either, which is absolutely nuts. So the fact that they're last place, only five games above 500, I say only, quote-unquote, with a 16-run differential. It's the only division, I believe, where every single team is in the green when it comes to their run differential. Yeah, it is exactly what we all thought the A, uh, what the uh, AFC West was going to be last year with the Chargers and the Chiefs, and it turned out to be a little disappointing. This is actually the baseball version of that, except they lived up to the expectations and probably even surpassed what you thought was going to happen within those five teams. Yeah, and real quick, too, just wanted to stay in that division. You know, I I love the prospects. You know, I love to keep up with the guys throughout their career. I didn't. Jackson Holiday, the Orioles, number one pick from last year, really starting to ball out. I was watching some highlights of him yesterday. He's moved up to double-A ball, and they see it even up there. He's starting to get walked, and teams are afraid of him. He's the son of Matt Holiday, and he looks like he's definitely living up to his reputation as the number one pick. So if he can uh, keep balling out and the Orioles keep doing their thing, man, he could come in and make them even more potent uh, down the line. All right, Wes, will give you a minor league prospect breakdown <laughs> as we move on into the week. Let's go to the next topic on Visit to the Mound. Well, we talked a lot about Luis Arise's quest to bat 400, and both of y'all said, hey, it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, y'all are right. He is, he, he's now hitting, he's only hitting 378. 
which is still just remarkable. Is he 45 percentage points ahead of Ronald Acuna Jr.? But at 378, I, I don't see him ever really getting that batting, that, that number up enough to ever really threaten that again. Still a fantastic story and a big reason why the Marlins are going to be playing uh, meaningful baseball down the stretch. Now to Shohei Otani. Because this is a two-part thing. First off, he launched his MLB-leading 35th home run last night, which leads Major League Baseball, as I said. He's second in the AL in RBIs with 75, which is – and he's third overall in, in all of baseball. He's tied for fourth in strikeouts with 139, which is third most in the American League. I was on the phone yesterday with my dad, and we were talking baseball. My dad a, is a diehard Dodger fan. And there was a report yesterday that came out that said that the Dodgers will not be uh, involved for Otani at the trade deadline. This prompted my father to admit to me he does not want Shohei Otani on his baseball team, which is absolutely mind-blowing because he is the best player to maybe ever play baseball. He is a generational talent. I'm going to ask you guys, whether it's baseball, basketball, football, whatever, have you ever been a fan and did not want your team to acquire a player either because of draft compensation or because of contract demands. Because I told him, this is the dumbest thing you've ever said in your life. <laughs> uh, I'm looking straight to one Wes Bryant, who is a Lakers fan, despite LeBron James rolling over to the Lakers organization. So is this answer true for you, that you have not wanted someone to come over to your favorite team, not because of draft compensation or because of a contract, but just because you disliked the best player in the NBA at that time so much? Well, yes. Uh, under those uh, circumstances, resoundingly, yes, I did not want LeBron to come to the Lakers, and that is why I stopped being a Lakers fan. So I guess I would fall uh, into that category. And also this offseason when they talked about Aaron Rodgers potentially coming to the 49ers, uh, I was against that. But I was not going to stop cheering for San Francisco. It's just too much in my blood. But... Uh, yeah, the Lakers, man. I, I told him to take a hike. And I was a diehard Lakers fan, too. A lot of lunchroom arguments over Kobe. I mean, I would go to war with people over the Lakers. But once LeBron came, I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, I mean, I would love for Shohei Otani to decide that the Chicago White Sox are the team for him. That will save White Sox Walker Oh, and then do an injury stint where he has to come to Charlotte. That'd be great. Oh, just talk be, it into fruition. Although I, I, although we're actively pulling for Shohei to be injured and then play for the Charlotte Knights. <laughs> Maybe that's not something I want. But if it did happen, then I'd love to see it. It reminds me of Chris Sale when one time he had a rehab assignment playing for the Charlotte Knights. He played against the Bulls. I think he pitched four innings and, and perfect innings, I believe. Struck out all but one batter in four innings. <laughs> it was it was gross. Chris Sale being among the best pitchers in all of baseball during his prime when he wasn't getting injured constantly. And then he goes down to AAA and strikes out everybody but one single batter that didn't even reach base because he just hit like a slow dribble or two of the pitching mound. That'll do it for Visit to the Mound. We'll come back. One more hour to go. We'll talk about the Carolina Panthers. How much preseason football do you expect Bryce Young to play? We'll get to that in just a moment. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92. 7 WFNZ.